This is the Yanks Go Yard Podcast with Adam Weinrib and Thomas Carinante. Welcome to the Yanks Go Yard Podcast on this 80-degree Thursday in New York City. I'm Adam Weinrib alongside Thomas Carinante. Last show, we're coming in cold. We're coming in hot talking about a cold team that just bungled a 6-0 lead in the final game of a Rays series. And I was like, hey, you know what? All these people coming in talking about how easy it's going to be to sweep the A's. Well, they don't know. The A's actually out OPS the Yankees. So how about that? I found stats. I was like, hey, look at this number and look at this one. And it actually like, <laughs> I actually don't want to play the A's right now because anything short of total domination would have been viewed as a failure. And that was true. But then the Yankees totally dominated the A's three times in a row. And it was actually pretty fun. We'll talk about the intricacies and break it down. But the bottom line is the Oakland A's lineup is like a C minus. It's all right. There's some guys in there where you're like, hey, nice pickup. I believe in you. Good prospect. And then the rotation in the bullpen is such a tremendously loud fart noise that the Yankees offense took it to them. Three times, even after they blew the first game and, and took a 2 nothing lead, turned it into to mush, and it was 2-2, took a clutch double play to get out of it. They still went on to win that game by a sizable margin. Big bounce-back series for the Yankees, but oh, what a shame. It actually does get way, way, way harder. How are you going to survive eight straight games against the Rays and Jays? We'll talk you through how it's going to happen, how it could happen, a couple of changes they could make. Heading into the massive two four-game series, a couple maybe stays where people want to make changes, maybe things you don't change. We'll talk through all everything and everybody needs to know. Also, Luis Severino's comeback begins, I think. Who loses their rotation spot for him? Harrison Bader, an extension seems like a thing I want. Yes, please. And Jason Dominguez finally heating up at double A despite a weird season, but why I think he should be moved to triple A even if the numbers don't dictate it. Folks, make sure to find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. See, it's back. Our loyal Google Podcast listeners say they love it. So guess what? I'm still telling you to get on Google Podcasts. Spotify, it's there as well. Every podcast platform. And live every Monday and Thursday, 2 o'clock Eastern time. Thomas Carinante, take us through the betting promo that our fine listeners and watchers and viewers can get by subscribing to the Yanks Go Yard Podcast. Yeah, baby. This is for everybody in New Jersey and Connecticut. We have an awesome limited time promo for new DraftKings users. If you head on over to DraftKings.com or download the DraftKings app, uh, deposit some money, place a $5 wager on any sport, and get $150 instantly added to your account in bonus bets if you win or lose that bet. Um, this is much better than the previous promo where you had to win that $5 bet. Sometimes it's a little bit difficult to do that. This time, you just place a single bet. For $5, and you get $150 in bonus bets added. All you have to do is use the code YANKSGOYARD when you're signing up to redeem this awesome offer. Um, using that code, YANKSGOYARD, again, is a great way to support the podcast. So if you don't already have a DraftKings account, um, do us a solid. Go on over there, sign up, use the code, place that first bet. Uh, personally, um, and this is not an extra plug, I've used all the books. DraftKings is my favorite. So user uh user experience is the best out of all of them in my opinion uh they got some fun other promos that they'll be giving you once you sign up and start getting in the weeds so let's go come on let's get betting uh this offer is for new customers only uh you must be 21 and older and physically present in new york uh new jersey or connecticut please gamble responsibly don't forget that if you have a gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER uh, if you're in New Jersey or 888-789-7777, if you're in Connecticut, this is valid one per customer, minimum $5 deposit and $5 wager required. Rewards issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets and expire seven days after being awarded. See full terms at DraftKings.com. Every time anybody says DraftKings.com, I think of the roller coaster, King Ka. Is that normal? Um, yeah, no, I don't it's know. not, but I now, I now I'll think about that. Yeah, every single time I'm like, oh, there's a King Ka website? No, it's <laughs> DraftKings.com. It's for gambling, and we're affiliated with it. Uh, before we go into the Rays and Jays Terror Dome, uh, it's worth reflecting on what we just saw because yeah. that wasn't uh, that wasn't going to be that <laughs> Look, if the Red Sox had just swept the A's, I would have been like, that was easy. Yeah, that was no effort, low effort, min effort. Um, it was no guarantee, especially for this struggling Yankees team, especially for a Yankees team coming off that horrendous final game in Tampa, especially for a Yankees team 
that rearranged their rotation pretty specifically to get the better pitchers in the Rays series, meaning they've got Nestor Cortez coming back from his strep throat in the first game. He loses uh, some velocity as that game goes on to his last inning when he leaves the bases loaded with no outs. He's hitting like 88 with the fastball, and you see Aaron Boone in the dugout kind of yelling at him, and that lead gets blown, right? So first game of this series already not going according to plan. It's 2-2 in the sixth. The Yankees are going to have to do some rallying, and they do, and I'm glad they did. But you're already in a precarious place there. Uh, and then the second and third games of the series are Clark Schmidt and Johnny Brito, the two guys who are battling their way out of the rotation. Uh, up until this point, nobody was really making an argument for themselves. Brito's first two starts of the year were great. Clark had a random start in the middle against the Blue Jays. That was great. But by and large, these guys are giving you four innings every time out there. Sometimes they give up two runs. Sometimes they give up three runs. Almost never do they do anything where you're like, yes, I need more of that right now. Uh, so if the Yankees lose the first game, there's a chance they could lose the second, maybe the third. Probably going to end up getting one of those. But there is a way for this to go off the rails. And they were clearly you know, betting on their ability to beat the A's without their top-tier starters so they could throw their top-tier starters against the Rays. But little did we know, Clark actually, six innings, turns out all right, gets his first win of the season. Not the first win in a Clark start, but his first win. Davey Garcia ends up doing the mop-up duty when the Yankees run away and hide from the A's in the middle innings yesterday. His first ever appearance at Yankee Stadium in front of actual fans, which is insane, but he broke out in 2020 when there were a bunch of tarps in the ballpark and every foul ball sounded like an explosion because it hit an empty <laughs> seat. And then got to give Anthony Volpe props yesterday too, uh, in a four for 32 slump, but the hard contact is getting better. So it's very easy to be like, what are we looking at here? Cause the numbers are getting worse. He's down 30 points in average, but the exit velo is better. And the average exit velo is creeping up into like the 60th percentile when it was in the 15th and 20th. So everything seems like it should be getting brighter, but it wasn't till he tripled at the end of Tuesday's game and hit his first career grand slam yesterday in his third career at bat with the bases loaded or fourth. Sorry, he's three for three with a walk with the bases loaded in his Yankees career. And it took Derek Jeter, of course, 155 plate appearances with the bases loaded <laughs> to get that first grand slam. So the comparisons are going to be inevitable. And there they are. Derek Jeter stinks. Uh, that's obviously a stat that Red Sox fans, I'm sure, already have in the chamber. Alex Verdugo has as many walk-off hits as Derek Jeter. Uh, Daniel oh, Nava has as many grand slams as Derek. Yeah, I just don't care. Um, but <laughs> thanks for doing that. Uh, what was your favorite part of this series that, again, could have gone off the rails but didn't because the, the Oakland A's pitching is as bad as advertised. It's genuinely quite awful. Yeah, I got three positives from this series. The first one in relation to what you're saying is uh Aaron Boone didn't have to really manage no. outside of the Nestor situation. Um, and I, I'm, I think we could talk a little bit about Nestor later. So I think something is wrong there. Um, but yeah, you look at how the offense kind of propped up this team. Nestor coughs up that, that lead, or he puts the situ uh, team in a precarious situation. Um, after the two Oh lead, Game immediately tied. The offense picks it back up. Five straight runs. You get an Aaron Hicks home run out of that. Um, really didn't put Aaron Boone in any tough situations. And in a series where, look, the A's are bad. We know they're bad. But how many years running now have the Yankees not gotten the job done against inferior opponents, which eventually reflected their um, situation at the end of the season where it would have been nice to be three, four, five games better than you were? Um, and two out of three, winning two out of three would have been underperforming against correct. the Absolutely. And so, look, they got the job done, which is great. I think a lot of people are happy about this uh, after everything that has transpired over the first six weeks of the season. But my number one was Aaron Boone was not put in any tight situation here that made you throw your hands in the air. Um, number two is the bottom of the lineup is – waking up a little bit you get that Aaron Hicks hit although he hurt his hip and we're still waiting on I guess whatever is going on there apparently whatever. he's fine um Oswaldo Cabrera gets that home run um Jose Trevino got in on the action although he's kind of been he's, he's been serviceable all year um and uh Jake Bowers hit that monster opposite field home run uh yeah. for a lefty to go to that part of the ballpark as a lefty is pretty incredible um and then lastly I love Harrison Bader. He's just so cool. Um, we, once again, 
underestimated what he would be providing for the offense just because I think subconsciously we didn't want to put a lot of pressure on one player who necessarily doesn't have an incredible offensive profile for his career. But, man, he is the life of the party on this team at the moment. I think that's probably going to sustain because of the energy that he brings. And obviously, over the course of these next four to six weeks, players are slowly, hopefully, going to be coming back. Energy is going to ramp up in the dugout. Energy and morale is just going to ramp up in the clubhouse. Um, And he's been doing a great job of picking everybody up. You watch him in the dugout. You watch his body language in the field. Um, Obviously, his ability at the plate. And the fact that we've seen two triples from him over the last, what, four games – he yeah. has not even hesitated when getting to second base. And like, I haven't seen a Yankees base runner do that in so long where you hit one in the gap. Like every Yankees hitter is just content with the double. And I understand why, because it's not a great base running team. We don't have any, uh, that many fast players, but he puts his head down when he's about to round second and he just goes for third. And you love seeing that because putting the runner on third changes the entire complexion of the inning. He's done that twice now. Um, and you could see the difference. So uh, that's what I'm most happy about. And I'm feeling good right now heading into this series with the Rays. Oh, obviously, the one last positive is uh, bullpen didn't really get burned at all. Not really at all. That goes hand in hand with the Aaron Boone situation. You didn't have to overmanage. Um, although I think using maybe four relievers in that Nestor game was a little bit eh. But that's nitpicking at this point. Bullpen's well-rested for this four-game series upcoming against the Rays, and like we said, eight straight days of games against division opponents couldn't really be in a better spot right now. Yeah, Michael King didn't have to pitch in this series uh, at all. Clay Holmes came in only once and looked great. He buzzed through people in the ninth inning of the second game. There's nothing I hate more than relievers and middle relievers and long relievers and four- and five-starters who just love to play with their food. And there was a lot of that shit in the second half of the middle game. Like Greg Weissert was the worst proponent of this. Just like this is a nine, three baseball game against a team that doesn't really want to be here. They, they've like, they've, they got their home run hammer out, right? Like they, they got to have their little fun. They got to see Yankee stadium, but you can't walk these people. You, you, you can't walk these people. You, you can't create a situation where Clay Holmes has to come in and bail you out. They were up 10-5 in the ninth inning of that game. And Clay Holmes had to come in and bail them out of first and second, no outs. And he loaded the bases with a walk. If he had not retired Tony Kemp, the tying run would have come to the plate in the form of a guy who had three home runs in the game. So, like, we can't act like this This wasn't a string of three blowouts. It was a tight game in the first one that they managed to pull away late. I'm glad they did. And Nick Ramirez, for whatever reason, was actually the best at just taking care of business. Up only, only five. The middle game was kind of egregious. There was like, there was a Wandy Peralta moment where the final out of an inning hit an umpire. Brought up up the tying run. Aces Aguilar, who hits... 430 against lefties and 110 against righties was somehow at the play with Wani Peralta as the tying run. And then they managed to pull away 9-3. Nope. Weiser gives up a two-run shot. And then they turn it into 9-5, 10-5. And still, Clay Holmes is one walk away from his top prospect who had three homers in the game coming up. Jordan Diaz is the tying run. So yesterday was really the only like pure joy exhalation game, but if we could just, you know, this isn't really a caution for the Rays and Jays series necessarily because Wandy's the only bullpen mainstay who was guilty of it. But just, I, I can't stand that. Like, I, it's so easy to not, like, yeah. it's so easy to not walk people in a 9-3 game. Attack the zone. Even Johnny Brito yesterday gets a 4 nothing lead and Jace Peterson and uh, that other dude, Homer, off him. And it's like, it's a bummer, but I'm honestly less bummed by that because he's laying yeah. pitches in the zone. He's like, I have a 4 nothing lead. I would like to get you out. Oh, wait, my stuff isn't good enough. I give it back-to-back home runs. It's embarrassing, but he's not walking the bases loaded and having to pitch out of jams. Um, and your point on the bottom of the lineup and the lineup being in a better spot than it has been, I think we all got used to saying, the oh, the Yankees' AAA lineup. Oh, it's this AAA lineup is out there. Oh, we're not going to win this game because we got Willie Calhoun and all these guys. Yeah, Judge came back. Bader came back. And somewhat silently, the top seven is now fine. Like, it's not the best lineup in the world. There are better lineups, and they're not clicking. But Volpe Judge, Rizzo, LeMahieu, Glaber, Bader, Jose Trevino. You can run that out three out of every four games. That is 
That's a seven out of nine person lineup complete. That was the plan. You want Stanton back? So do I. Uh, they didn't get a left fielder this offseason, so they're still waiting for somebody to emerge there, whether it be Cabrera or Jake Bowers or uh, Brian Hoke argued on MLB.com for Cole Calhoun today, who's hitting 500 at AAA. Great. I mean, whatever. They haven't. They didn't have a left fielder to start the season. They don't have one now. So honestly, they're they're only Stanton away from being a pretty good one through eight at this point. Yeah. Um, and still having to address the left field thing, or maybe it's Bowers. But I do think the lineup is in a better spot than it has been in a long time. And we just got so used to saying it was bad that we we forgot to realize that like the people doing the damage against the A's and against the Rays last series are the real people who were supposed to be in this lineup by and large. Yeah. Um, I don't know why we're playing IKF as much no. as we are. He's no. just not hitting the ball. I just don't know. I don't know what the appeal is there. I don't. You have guys who can play the outfield. You have guys with more threat. Look, this and this is a team that talk that, that clearly relies on the long ball. If you're going to go with contact hitting, you have that already. You have Volpe who does hit the ball. One thing Aaron Boone said that I finally didn't have a problem with was he was on the Talking Yanks podcast and John Boy and Jake asked him if there was a point in time where he would consider moving Volpe down in the lineup because DJ's kind of hot right now. You look at DJ's metrics, speaking of that, um, year over year, incredible. Average exit velocity, he's in the 90th percentile this year compared to 53rd last year. Hard hit percentage, he's in the 94th percentile compared to 57th last year. So that's significant. At that point, maybe you want him a little bit further down in the lineup because he's seeing the ball well and he's a machine with runners in scoring position. But um, – we talk about the vibes, right? Anthony Volpe is putting charges into the ball, but he's getting unlucky. He got unlucky in that race series in those first two games. Yeah. Um, and he's just in instances where he's hitting it on the screws, it's coming right to the defender. But at some point, you know, your leadoff hitter's got to get on base. His OBP has dropped the 300. Um, I don't, you know, it, obviously it was higher than that for a little while. Um, he's picked, he, nonetheless, he's seeing pitches well and he's, putting bat on ball, which is great, but um, we're going to have to see a little bit more production from the top at that point, especially over these next eight games. Um, I, I'm not, uh, I'm not opposed to keeping Volpe in there, but like first two games of the race series, we're not getting on base and in in, on the first batter, like maybe you make, maybe you make a switch there for the final two games and see what happens. Um, I'm looking at Harrison Bader to move up in this lineup a little bit. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't know what, I don't know what you want to do there. I don't, Talk about making the 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 uh, top half of the lineup heavy. I don't care at that point as long as there are guys that are going to hit. Like move Glaber Torres down a little bit. I, I you know there's no problem with him batting sixth or seventh um, because of how you know you're getting the lack of production down there on the whole. Maybe this series awakened it a little bit and it gives them a little bit more flexibility. But again, eight straight days kind of got to go into this this stretch knowing what you're doing or at the very least knowing what the alternative is going to be if things don't go as planned from the from the get-go. Yeah, let's talk about that a little bit. Let's talk about the changes we'd make or stay, put, or not make heading into this eight-game set because uh, it's it's an eight-game set to me. I mean, it's it's eight, it's eight. games against it's eight, eight games, games against two elite teams in, in your division. The Blue Jays are spiraling a little bit, uh, but it looks like we still get Manoa, Gossman, and Berrios, and Bassett in that series. We haven't seen Bassett yet this year. Uh, the Rays do what they do. You know, I don't even need to read you the probables. Rasmussen tonight. Uh, we got Garrett Cole going. I'm sure there are going to be some openers or some nonsense people in that series. Uh, but we can't, I, you know, I can't sugarcoat the Volpe stuff, right? I can tell you as many times as I want that the exit below is good and he's getting unlucky, which is true, but he's four for his last 32. Yeah. Um, so it, it's, you know, it's been wild. And, and the worst case scenario is that, he stops hitting the ball hard and then suddenly he's not unlucky anymore because you're not unlucky forever. And you're also not hitting the ball hard forever. That sometimes gets lost to me in the whole discussion of, you know, who's prepared for a breakout, who's not, you know, Volpe might've just hit the ball hard for a week and then maybe his swing gets out of whack because he's nervous and he's four for 32. And maybe he doesn't hit the ball hard for the next week. Maybe it's not predictive Maybe it's like, oh, man, he probably should have gotten 11 or 12 hits and got four. And now he's lost his mojo. Like, it's 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 all it's all a bummer. And it's a bummer that he only got four hits in his last 32 ABs because it might not be predictive unless he manages to stay the course 
and have great resolve and be able to look in the mirror and be like, I'm Anthony Volpe. As Harrison Bader said yesterday, kids got the juice. Um, kid does got the juice. So I don't want to move him out of the uh, leadoff spot yet just because the numbers, the underlying stuff is showing me that he should break out. But mm-hmm. if the Rays are going to bring this, you know, arsenal of wild Rays pitchers, then I don't, I do think the answer is Bader. Um, I think if the metrics start to slip after two games, I would go Bader in the third. Um, I don't mind Volpe in the six hole, Glaber in the six hole, yeah. uh, or Bowers in the six hole and either Volpe or Glaber in the seven. I don't know if they'd be willing to do that. Uh, the other thing that I just feel like we need to talk about is, is Boone has not wanted to do Bader back to back, but he did, uh, you know, he, he didn't start one of those games in the race series in Tampa, but managed to get himself into it anyway and ultimately win that game. He got taken out first yesterday, but he did start all three of these A's games. So maybe Boone is acquiescing. Maybe he thinks Bader's ready now. Yeah. Bader's got to play seven of these eight games. We, we yep. can't get that much rest for Bader here. Um, uh, unless he absolutely needs it. But again, as far as I, as far as I'm concerned, Harrison Bader is basically the most essential non-judge player in this lineup right now. And if he's going to be on this heater, you got to ride him. You can't take the foot off the gas pedal unless something crazy happens and they win the first three games against the Rays. Then give him a day off in the fourth, try to patch it together from there. And you mentioned the Bowers homer. More Jake Bowers for now. Like sure. Aaron, Aaron Hicks is hurt. And, and I don't need to force him in any of these games anyway. He got his first hit at home in a really long time in this series, which is deranged. And thanks for the home run. And we, I'm glad he was able to get that moment before his hip started flaring up. But uh, I don't know if Jake Bowers is the long-term solution. I don't think Willie Calhoun is. I don't know enough about Jake Bowers yet. I know that home run from lefty into the left field pen was ridiculously impressive. There's still some swing and miss in Bowers' game. The outfield gaffes in Tampa can't be overlooked, but he's my left fielder in the ideal lineup we have right now. I'm, I'm glad Oswaldo Cabrera got going a little bit, but the exit velo and, and the hard hit and the ground ball stuff is still pretty bleak for him. That was like, I think, the fifth softest hit home run of the year for Cabrera the other day, so I'm glad he hit it. But yeah what I'm seeing from Bowers is still way more impressive. And he's my A number one guy right now after the trade deadline, come back to me, talk to me later. But for now I need Bowers a lot in this series. And look, there's going to be an opportunity to do it. You want to know why? Because Aaron Boone is not going to want to play um, DJ LeMahieu eight straight days on his feet in the field. So you're going to need an IKF third base game. You're going to maybe need an Oswaldo Cabrera third, but maybe Volpe gets a day of rest and we, we see we see Oswaldo Cabrera at shortstop. I don't know. It's eight straight days against the highest leverage opponents for th- at this juncture of the season, and you're going to need – someone needs rest in between, and obviously you don't want to rest Judge. You don't want to rest Bader. And when I mentioned before about moving Torres down in the lineup, that wasn't really – I don't. I, he's playing – he's he's hitting the ball well. Um, his defense to me is still annoying. He makes an egregious amount of miscues, not necessarily errors – but every single week, there's multiple of them. Um, but in terms of hitting, I think moving him down would do him well because he does hit better in lower leverage situations. Actually, medium leverage situations are his bread and butter. I don't know what those are, but that's what the splits say. And if you I don't want to get into those. I want only I high leverage for me, yeah. for my boys. I don't want to yeah. watch any medium leverage crap. None of that mid stuff. No mids. No, but don't be mid. That's where that's where he kind of, you know, a little bit of pressure off can maybe help him a little bit more. I don't think he necessarily needs help help right now, but we know there's a little bit more power there. We know there's an ability a better a better ability to hit for average there. Um, I think he could get up another 10, 12 points if he's if he's seeing the ball well. Move him down, break it up. It makes pitchers a little bit more. It throws him off a little bit more because this bottom of the lineup has been a black hole. Again, it might have been a reawakening for it, but. Try to break it up a little bit. Give the bottom of the lineup a little bit more confidence with somebody else down there. Um, I don't know. But, yeah, you got – there definitely needs to be a plan here where you're cycling in the right guys. Bowers needs to be playing more if, 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 that's, if, if this bat has that potential. You saw the power potential. I understand it the a, it's the A's. I understand it's, it, it might as well be AAA pitching, but still a hit. Everybody, everybody was hitting in this series. That's a good sign. And regardless if it was real or not, it's at least a confidence boost, which is badly what they've needed. What was it, 20, 28 runs in three games? Did what they had to do with, you know, with what 
with, with what we'd seen for the for the previous slate of games when they were scoring three, two run, a four run game seemed like a miracle at that point. So get these guys, keep them confident, break up the lineup a little bit more. You're going to need some days off for people. So make sure you're mixing and matching. Don't give too much time to playing time to Isaiah Kreiner Fleffer because you're going to need him in the infield maybe once or twice over this span. Um, and let the guy, let, let the boys rake, let it happen. Come on. The, no nonsense here. Scott, it, the, you just got to be tip top. I am sick of this schedule. The the off day, the lack of off days is disturbing. Yeah. Um, it's like <laughs> I'm already I'm already angry about the the New York Giants schedule that keeps getting leaked today, where they play on the road for the first two full months of the season, <laughs> and their first first home Sunday game is Halloween. Which like, hey, do what you want to do. NFL, very interesting, very cool. Uh, but the Yankees don't have an off day between Thursday the fourth and Monday the twenty second. That involves flying to Toronto and then flying from Toronto to Cincinnati without an off day in between. Uh, not that those are like far reaches of the earth. We're not talking North Pole to South Pole, but still, how often do you see four straight primetime games? Like the Thursday getaway day is 7 o'clock Eastern, then they yeah. play the Reds at 640 the next day. Um, there's just no off days in between at all. And and the Red Sox had two off days this week. Red Sox had an off day Monday, off day today. Um, and we have the same thing. Basically, we have... When we go to City Field in the middle of June, we have off day Monday, June 5th, off day Monday, June 12th, have to travel all the way to Queens for two games, off day Thursday, June 15th, off day Monday, June 19th. That sounds great. Where is that right now when our lineup and rotation have been decimated? Where is where is that? That sounds great. That would be great. But, uh, you know, we're not going to get that. It never, never bounces in the Yankees' favor. But – um one thing kind of is Luis Severino coming back soon ish, I guess. Sure. Had his, had his undesired appearance at Scranton. Um, he didn't want to do it. He told me did not want to do the day game, said no to the day game, but then he did it anyway. Did it anyway. Three and a third. Uh, one. He what was it? Uh, one hit. One, it was a home run. Gave Two up hits, run. a dinger. Yeah. yeah. One one home or three K's, I think, came back out for an extra batter. Got him. I mean, I'll take it. Sure. Yeah. As long as he's healthy, as long as they're getting him the length that he needs at that level. And uh, as long as he understands that this is what he needs to do to get back in the Yankee starting rotation. Sorry, man. I wouldn't want to be in Scranton PA either, but you're playing for the Yankees. So life isn't life isn't too terrible, Luis. Everything. Everything's good. But someone's going to have to go. Not go, go. But because isn't the 40 man at 39 right now? Well, they just put Ryan Weber back on it. The Weeb dog. They is did, there, yeah. So. I'm sorry. Well, they're and not going to. Rort Fett's at Triple A. Did you see that? Uh, yeah, that's huge. You got a Rort Fett um, move. Rort Fett signings. He's been returned from the the dreaded Josh Donaldson returned from his rehab assignment, but it just means that it's over. It does not mean he's returned <laughs> anywhere. It means he got more. <laughs> With Josh Donaldson, it means he got more hurt. Um, but no, the Yankees are not going to have to lose any of these uh, any of these dudes, and it's it's quite likely that either Clark Schmidt or Johnny Brito just gets seamlessly demoted yeah. in favor of Luis Severino when he does return. Um, unless you're right that there's something wrong with Esther that we have to talk about because he did go way down in Velo and he's been sort of a mid fours ERA guy. Although he continued his streak of never giving up over three earned runs in a start at Yankee stadium. I think it's 26 Weird. straight. Um, that's absolutely insane. Uh, and he's uh, a fan favorite for a reason. Cause he's also good. Um, it's like this thing where everybody just assumes Nestor Cortez is a gimmick until they face him. And then they're like, Oh shit, seven innings, two runs. Oh, that's a bummer for me. Oops. Turns out he's talented. Um, but he was way down in Velo by the end of, of that game started it at 93, 94 ends at around 88, 89. You see Boone in his face yelling, sternly talking. I assume basically being like, you tell me if you were hurt, right? Like if you were actually like feeling pain, you would like say it out loud. Nasty. You would. Nasty, you'd see, you'd tell me that, right? And then Nestor just sort of sitting there silently. Um, I mean, not bad managing by Boone, I feel like. So there's no. a chance that the worst case scenario is he is the one who eventually gets shucked off the roster. We are stuck with more Clark and more Brito. But for me, it's not just because of what I just saw against the Oakland A's, because I sure as hell have been hard on Clark Schmidt this year. But it's just it's not really possible for Brito at this point with his two pitches to give you the length that Clark Schmidt might give you. Um, 
And I think the extra big league time that Clark Schmidt has had the extra reps, there's been more evidence of the possibility of him being a star. I don't think either of them are starters on this team long-term, but right now, shockingly, I would rather see Clark Schmidt stride to the mound than Johnny Brito. So I think Brito is the first to go. Let's give Clark credit. We ripped him a lot. There's been a lot of criticism hurled his way. I think some just, um, some maybe the result of impatience, but yeah, six innings against A's, quality start, two earned runs. Uh, I'll take that every every single time. It's not going to happen every single time, but I think <laughs> no. that's the first time he's ever gone above five innings, five and a third. Might have been. His I thought spot. he, yeah, he got to the sixth in the game where the wheels fell off against the Jays, yeah. right? Yeah, that that was that to date. I think was his longest outing, and then this time he completed the sixth. So congrats, yeah. Clark. Yeah, Brito. We liked him in the beginning. I think that was just the result of not many teams seeing his stuff. Then they see his stuff after two or three starts, and then the wheels kind of come off. Uh, two pitches is not enough. Problem with two pitches is if they're not good enough, it's not. It's also not going to be suitable for the bullpen. No. So at this point, he's just eating innings. You have Davey Garcia come up, three-inning save. Maybe that's, some, maybe that's the last guy in the bullpen. As as time goes on, depending on yeah. who comes back and and whatnot, but yeah, I'd rather go with Clark at this point. Um, I really hope we're not looking at a situation with Nestor having to hit the IL because is there anything overly concerning here? He's got two quality starts out of his seven. You probably want more than that from a guy who was an All Star last year, but it's the beginning of the season. Let stuff shake out. The start that really still rears its head is that one against Texas 100 pitches 55 strikes and then he gets the extra time off because a strep throat comes into this one giving up a lot of hard contact six hits and two walks in five innings against the worst team in baseball I don't know it's it's not what it's certainly not what this team needs with all the injuries they have to the rotation and the consistency that need that they need from the guys that are actually healthy in order to preserve the bullpen in order to give the lineup a shot. So don't know what's going to happen. Nonetheless, Severino's on the mend. If all things go, what do you think he'll need another week and a half? He'll need two more starts before he gets here. I think I think maybe one. I think okay. maybe one, and then he's back. Okay. I don't know if they're going to be super cautious because I'm sure they, they will be. <laughs> they need him right now. They need him right now. Um, they're not obviously not going to run in, in theory. They need him right now. They're not going to push him to get to that point. But if something is wrong with Nestor, because this is let, let me pull up the savant page, please. Yeah, please. Because I want to know. I, I want to know what the hard contact is because I test bad. And he's still in the probables. He's still in the probables for this week. So we're yeah. just completely talking out of our buns right here. But it does come from that Boone meeting in the dugout. Yeah. I mean, average exit velocity, 51st percentile, hard hit, 50th percentile, fastball velocity, 7th percentile, chase rate, 15th percentile. You want to compare that to 2022? Chase rate was 66th percentile, average exit velocity was 63rd, hard hit was 75th. Fastball velocity still wasn't there. Um, but it also wasn't down. Um, so something's going on. I don't know what it is. I don't want to be too overly concerned, but we have to acknowledge this because he's supposed to be one of the key figures in helping lengthen this rotation. And he was supposed to be one of the guys who was really needed to step up in the early going. Cause three out of the five starters were injured. Yeah. Not really getting that We're getting number four starter stuff out of him right now. What does he have a 4.7 ERA? At yeah, the moment. Six, seven. Yeah. 4.74 ERA. So I don't know. Hope everything's all right with him, but that's we gotta yeah, everyone's gotta keep an eye on that. I'm gonna give Clark Schmidt a little bit of credit because we've been we have been really hard on him and the exit velo and stuff, he's still getting rocked when he gets yeah. hit. Um, so it's not I'm not gonna stand on a podium and say, Clark, you you are my new king. But <laughs> the fastball and curveball spin are both great. K percentage is great, and that's noticeable if you watch. He's still getting people to bite on that knuckle curve, which is a great pitch, 43 Ks and 35 and a third innings. And he has not really been the level of dreadful we've been talking about for quite a while. The first four starts were awful and had him at 8.79. Then he has that start against Toronto where he strikes out eight, five and two thirds, almost gets out of it without giving up that final Vlad Guerrero Jr. 
dinger, then goes to Texas, gets beat up again, but does strike out eight in five innings. Comes home, the defense betrays him against Cleveland. He only makes it through yeah. four and a third. But that first inning was like, what? genuinely, what are we doing here? Like, Glaber Torres Defense betrayed over. him against the A's, too. Anthony Rizzo falling over. Like, some of the worst back. It, you you got to fire. You got to fire on all cylinders if you're going to be this undermanned team. And they really, they they contributed to him only making it through four and a third there. And the fact that Josh Bell is a lefty and he can't get them out. And great against Oakland. Now ZRA is down to 5-3-5. Like, is that bad? Of course. It's, it's quite yeah. bad. But it's not 8.9 pungent. And the progress is certainly moving in a direction where Johnny Brito's progress is not. So shout out to Clark Schmidt for at least being somewhat competent lately. And hopefully it gets to the point where all this team needs is a fifth starter. Um, never forget, Clark was the number two in the opening series yeah. rotation, which is, uh, that's real. That actually happened. Um, good- and if you, yes. No, go ahead. Um, no, no. I mean, I was ready to promo it. I was going to give oh, some promo. Yeah, one more thing before the promo. Good news about Clark Schmidt, too, is that I think, look, last year we liked him in the relief role when he was brought in at the right times. I think that this slate of starts that he's had is really going to prepare him for that because he's working through combating the areas of the lineup that he's had trouble with first inning and then third time through Um, his walks are a little bit down compared to last year. And he's pitching more innings, which I think is something significant. And now the fact that he has an arsenal of five pitches compared to someone like Brito, who has two, be much more valuable as a reliever, assuming things shake out the way that they need to. Um, You look at innings limit too. I don't know if he'll be able to be used the entire year as a starter. So come trade deadline or like closer to July, Look at him, you know, he'll he'll be back in the bullpen probably, and the Yankees will have a better situation in the rotation, and he'll be more conditioned for that role. So I think we're looking at a decent situation here, assuming he continues to slowly turn it around. I hope so. I, I think so as well. I was just thinking about – I don't know why I was thinking about – remember <laughs> – never mind. Tell me, please. I was thinking about well, – I was thinking about because the Yankees are going to go to Cincinnati, and I was looking at the Mets in Cincinnati getting rocked. I, I was basically saying – I was about to say thank God. Oh, we'll get rocked in Cincinnati. Believe it. I'm sure we will. But the, the Mets' next four starts against the Nationals are all TBA, and it made me think about the last time I remember going to Cincinnati. We started a guy named Brian Gordon, like a 33-year-old rookie, and I was, was like – Was this four years ago? That? It was 2011. It was 2011. I was, I was just Googling because I was like, what year was that? Because I remember like – I remember Brian Gordon resurgence and like Aaron small vibes. It turns out he won his first start against the Rangers three, two, five and a third inning, seven hits two earned, three walks, three K's hit two guys. Shout out to Brian Gordon. And then his next start, five innings, four runs. And we got bludgeoned 10 two by the Cincinnati Reds. And that was it. He never came back. So uh, hopefully we don't have to rely on a stopgap like that. The next time we go to Cincinnati after, which is immediately after these terrifying, games. terrifying, terrifying well, if you, yeah if you if you foresee the future if you uh have a premonition you think brian gordon's coming back uh for the for the red set what are the odds what are the odds the odds are high the odds are deep you are putting two dollars on a 10k to one bet he's now 44 <laughs> he has not been in the major league since 2011 it's a real long shot i think the Yankees have plenty of arms they can go to before they get to brian gordon but if you believe and you have five dollars to use and you live in New Jersey and Connecticut, we have an awesome limited time promo for new DraftKings users only. Deposit and place a $5 or more wager on any sport to get $150 instantly added to your account and bonus bets. Win or lose. You could lose. You could put your money on Brian Gordon and lose and get $150 in bonus bets. It's that simple. As long as you use the code YanksGoYard at signup to redeem. Use the code YanksGoYard immediately when you sign up for the account. Do not wait. That's a great way to support the podcast and a great way to get you into DraftKings if you don't have an account yet. So do us a solid, sign up with that code, place your first bet, $5 or more, get that $150 instantly added to your account in bonus bets. New customers only, 21 plus physically present in New Jersey or Connecticut. Not just mentally present, it's not just a state of mind, all right? If you live in Iowa and you believe yourself to be in New Jersey and at heart, <laughs> you cannot get this discount. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Yeah. Call 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey or 888-789-7777 in Connecticut. Valid one offer per customer. Minimum $5 deposit, $5 wager required. Rewards issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets and expire seven days after being awarded. See full DraftKings at king.ca. No, DraftKings.com, actually. Um, Thomas, Harrison Bader, you love him. We all love him. It's my next jersey. uh, 
early shows. We had like the worst. We had the worst timed article. We had a must extend Harrison Bader now article go up the day after he got his oblique strain, or maybe like morning of. And everybody was like, "Uh huh. Why would you extend somebody who's already injured? Why would you do that? Don't do that." And I was like, "Oh, that's a really good point. I shouldn't have written this days ago." Um, but it, it's true. They did have to wait through a Bader injury. It's not like a life-altering injury, though. He didn't sap his strength in any meaningful way. He just had a very tricky, annoying oblique, and he's already back. Uh, there's nobody like Harrison Bader. It's not going to take a massive sum to bring him back. You don't even have to do it long term. Um, I don't think the Yankees can escape this offseason without bringing Harrison Bader back. And I think, what what do you think it's going to take to get it done? I, I, I don't think it's going to take more than three years. And I've got 15 per. Like, why would you have to pay Harrison Bader more than Michael Brantley keeps making? Um, especially because he loves being here. Yeah. And that's a pretty, that's a hefty, nice commitment. Now, if it takes more than that, and look, if he makes the all-star team, if he hits 330 with 25 homers this year, then we'll revisit the facts and figures. But I don't think at this current rate, the Yankees can get away with not paying. him. Yeah, the current rate, it's something that should be done already. Then again, you got to look at this from Bader's perspective. He's on a heater to start the year and he's in a contract year. And it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what your previous track record has said. It doesn't matter if you're injury prone, which he kind of was. doesn't matter if you had some below average seasons, which Bader has. Um, He's hitting perfectly league average right now for his career from an OPS plus perspective, even with this current eight game tear. Um, So in theory, it shouldn't take longer. I, I don't think it should be longer than four years. I think that's probably where he's 28, 29 years old. Andrew Benintendi got five years, $75 yeah. million. I know that was probably bad business by the White Sox, but this is what happens. And largely, the, uh, that was probably based more off of his career numbers than it was the contract year. So these things are always kind of bouncing in different directions. But I get more nervous with the contract year because you're 29 years old, you're Harrison Bader, you are putting yourself in the best possible position for – the rest of the baseball world to see you. And this is your one cash out opportunity. So I don't know if he's going to be willing to talk an extension with the Yankees. Um, I would love for the Yankees to be willing to do that with him, but you know, their extension rule, they don't do it unless it's with stuff that's absolutely not going to work out. So I don't know. I feel like Bader's someone who's absolutely going to work out. So Brian Cashman's like, I don't know. We need another one like Hicks or Severino. That's that's what we need. We need another one of those extensions. But in terms of uh, the trade, let's let's you know we gave Clark Schmidt his credit. I'll give Brian Cashman credit for this trade. You want to know mm-hmm. why? I do because Harrison Bader at this juncture with the Yankees is much more important to the Yankees than Jordan Montgomery would be right now, even with the rotation issues. He's got eight starts, a four point one one ERA, and one point three zero WHIP. Um, not the sexiest numbers, but Bader's injection of life into the offense has been much more valuable than number three, four starts from Jordan Montgomery at this point. Um, I think Brian Cashman does need to bring this home and start talking about an extension. The AAV here is tough. I think, what'd you say, three years, 45? That's what I'm thinking, but yeah. I, I could I could be talked into 48. Yeah, three years, 48, four years, 50. I don't know. I would do any of those. I don't know. Again, the the free agency situation is tough. It it could work in our favor. He likes being a Yankee. This is where he's from. Clearly is having a great time. So you might be able to get the mini hometown discount. The great time discount. The, the having a great time discount. Yeah. I mean, look, why not? I would take a I would take that if if I was having a great time where I was. Yeah, I'll shave a few million off just to get this done and have my future settled and knowing I'm going to be home for the next 4 or 5 years. Hell yeah. Um, it's something they need to get, they need to start thinking about. And I don't know if they started thinking about it yet because I don't think they think like that. The swag too. The two is great. The two outs. Two um, outs. He's yeah. Nobody matters more than him right now. Um, no. and like not in, in a real, in a vibes, in a vibe sense, complete like baseball real, player. You don't yeah. see it that much anymore. No, he's the best. And, and the Jordan Montgomery thing is funny too, because 
he would never be more valuable to the Yankees than he would be right now. Yeah. I don't because I don't want him in a playoff series. No, but I do want him pitching April and May and June games with instead of Johnny Brito or Clark Schmidt. Like yeah. the Yankees would probably be, uh, I don't know, but honestly, what two wins better? And then you subtract the Bader wins. So where where do they really land? They don't have a center fielder at that point. So I even acknowledging that this is probably the ideal time for Jordan Montgomery to be on the roster. I still don't really have any interest crazy before I saw Bader. I was angrier about it. And I still feel like there was probably a best case scenario where you get Pablo Lopez last year, or you get somebody else and then you flip Montgomery for Bader. You don't take pitching depth off of the 2021 rock 2022 roster, which was the infuriating part that they didn't replace Montgomery with anything that said, I, I Jordan Montgomery does not interest me. He's a, a, a B minus or C plus pitcher. The ceiling is so low and Harrison Bader's ceiling is the roof. So even at a time when I should be angry that I don't have Jordan Montgomery soaking up innings, I'm still happy. I have Harrison Bader. I am thrilled. We have Harrison Bader. Um, Love the hat too. It's like he's wearing a conductor's hat at all times. It's like this. Does he have like a big, a long head? Long he's got, face. He's got curly little weird hair. Yeah. Like, I don't know. It's like this. It's like, yeah. Conducting a train. Um, speaking of outfielders, Jason Dominguez. Speaking of conducting trains. Yeah. Speaking. <laughs> local train conductor Jason Dominguez is in the news. Um, Jersey Transit for him. I think he's worth talking about because yeah. you're getting a lot of weird discourse coming out now. Um, we had more discourse. Yeah, we had weird discourse because because Michael K um, said, "Oh, don't be surprised. My source is telling me that Jason Dominguez actually might be up by end of year." I don't understand that at all, and I don't think that's a real source. You think that's desperation, as do I. Yeah, but I'm getting tired of the people are criticizing Jason Dominguez for having a slow start. Um, and I understand why they're doing that because he's hitting in the 180s. Like it, all it takes is a cursory look at his page on minorleaguebaseball.com and being like, oh, he's hitting 180. Oh, man, I had such high hopes for him in spring training and he can't hit. Oh, well, on to the next. And I think it's very important context that he has a 380 OBP. His on-base percentage is 200 points above his average. Now, developing a keen batting eye is great. I'm glad Dominguez can take his walks. I'm glad he's patient. And he's heating up lately. The home runs are coming. Uh, his previous um, five games, he's in 350 with a 17.9% K rate. Last 11, hitting 297, 447 OBP, same 17% K rate. Career low ground ball rate for Dominguez. Everything is trending in the right direction. That said, he gave some quotes this week to The Athletic that were basically like, I'm trying to get really focused on hitting my pitch when it's in the zone. I don't want to miss it. And that's the reason my average is low because sometimes I'm missing it. Um, I want Jason Dominguez somewhere where he is no longer viewed as the destructive force that we have to avoid in the middle of the lineup. I want him at triple A despite the fact that he's hitting 180. I want him at triple A because I want pitchers to stop having an excuse for pitching around him. A 200 point OBP average difference at this point, he's already learned how to be patient and selective. You could sell it as a good thing. Obviously, his batting eye is keen and well-developed. But at this point, it's getting ludicrous. He's proven it already. There's nothing more he can prove with regard to taking his walks. Let's get him somewhere where he can actually focus on zoning in and pitches over the plate. 100%. Stats updated, I guess, from baseball reference. 200 batting average, 393 OBP. Yeah, let's so, let's give him let's give him some triple A run. I don't want him in the majors, but the two hundred point gap is crazy. It's insane. Yeah, the, even yeah, I think it's the same conversation we have with Anthony Volpe at this uh, in spring training because he got the bump to triple A last year late, and then he's handling major league pitching, and at that point. You're like, all right, what else do I need to see? He hit AAA pitching in that short stint. Yes, you would like to see a better batting average. Talked about this at length too. But walks were there. Power was there. Base running was there. Not everybody needs to be perfect in every single statistic. However, Dominguez's situation is obvious. He's in an inferior league. He just (laughs) destroyed major league pitching at spring training. I understand that is not the tell-all. That's not going to define his career. That's not going to expedite him to the majors this year. But 
That's inferior talent. They saw what he did in spring training. They're pitching around him. It's very, it's simple. This is how it goes. In terms of the speculation that he's going to get called up, I think it's desperation because of how bad the left field situation was just four days ago on Friday and Saturday when you wanted to jump off a cliff because of all the misplays out there and because of the lack of production from the bottom of the lineup from those guys. Things obviously heated up a little bit against the A's, so that delays the conversation a little bit. I don't think Dominguez is getting a midsummer promotion to the bigs, but you're right. Needs to be challenged a little bit more at AAA. And hey, if he goes to AAA and has a great run of 60 games, then we can start talking about that. But right now, I think wasting away in Somerset, he did have he did have five games plus the playoffs there last year with some success in the playoffs. And if he's doing this right now, he's got 25 walks in 20 games. He's He recently heated up three doubles, homer. I mean, I'm sorry, uh, three doubles, four homers, and a triple, 11 stolen bases. If if he's not getting to see pitches, his development is being hindered at the moment. So that's a change that I think everybody would like to see. And then obviously it puts him closer to knocking at the major league door. Somebody else too, Austin Wells, homered in what? Three or four straight games? What was it? That's, an, that's a lefty. Four. Yeah. yeah, four. That's a lefty bat. That was somebody who was injured during spring training. We were devastated to not see him get any reps with the major league team. This was a bat that they drafted in, what, 2020. We sat there hearing scouts saying that this was an advanced bat that could get to the bigs sooner than you think. And now we're seeing the results. Dominating double-A. He had a good year in double-A last year. Get our guys up to triple-A. Let's do it. There's that. Who's up there right now? It's Dunham. Who's the yeah. catcher at AAA? Sure, they can use ben, an upgrade. Ben Rortvet. Ben Rortvet. He's not playing yet. No, but he's there. I, I yeah. just had to say his. I had to say his name yeah. out loud. Um, so, the the Real Riders team is uh, it's a weird one. You, you got Josh Bro there. You got Carlos Narvaez there, who we enjoyed. During oh, that's right. Uh, Bro's on the sixty day, so it's it's Narvaez and it's Rodolfo Duran taking the majority of the reps. I think you could probably sneak Wells in there a little bit. Chaparro yeah. crushing at AAA right now, but there's Chaparro. room for infielders. Uh, the outfield is is fairly packed. Like the 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 yeah, thing the Yankees right. would have to do, the thing the Yankees would have to do is call up Florial or Cole Calhoun and then move Dominguez into the AAA spot because right now it's Calhoun and Dunham and Florial and Franchi, as well as Billy McKinney. Like, and I don't think look they, the Yankees don't really have any need for Billy McKinney's 690 OPSing at AAA he's 28 years old I think they could probably shuck him off the roster but Dominguez I think deserves a little more credit from people like us for being yeah. like legit and living up to the hype it is he has an 800 OPS this year in a season where people are claiming he's struggling he's walking like a maniac He's finally hitting for power again. The average now being up over two. There's a difference, too, between hitting 200 and hitting 160. He's getting into respectability, and I think, uh, if anything, he's actually you know impressed me more than I thought he would when they signed him because I knew I had to wait through the struggles, and it didn't take that long, and he's still just 20 years old, yeah. and he's 5'9", 190, barreling up baseballs with ridiculous power and switch hitting. So I think, like... I haven't actually been excited about Dominguez in a couple of years because when he was 18 and striking out all the time and at low A and people were saying, that's it. That's all we get. I thought this was Bo Jackson. Then I, I disillusioned myself because I was like, I don't want to think about this guy. He's not going to be on the team until I'm 36. So why am I thinking about him? Uh, and then now he's ahead of that timeline a little bit. I'm not 36. Um, and he's fucking good. Yeah, we uh, we want to see these guys develop properly because, you know, and look, you look, you talk about the Harrison Bader extension, like at that point, what, you move Dominguez to left? Yeah, Dominguez and Spencer Jones and Judge and Bader split three athletes problem DH in a dream world. Great problem to have. But get these guys to the point where they're not languishing. That's the problem we've had with a lot of prospect development. Felt like a lot of languishing. Too much time at a certain level, not enough time being challenged. Um, so yeah, figure it out. Do a better job. We did go, we got, we got the first domino to fall with Anthony Volpe. We kind of sort of didn't think they were going to do it towards the end. I got really confident because of the discourse that was coming out from many insiders. And I think that we've seen good results from that. That is, you're not going to get a perfect prospect promotion, especially the jump that he made. So 
you let this play out, you give them their opportunities to shine, and that's that. All right, four-game series coming up against the Rays. What do we think, man? We got to do know. it. What are we I, I still think I think they split uh, both of these, to be quite honest with you, which doesn't do them much good in tracking either the Rays or Jays down, but I still think it would be a pretty major accomplishment at this point in the season. They, they have to take three of the eight. It would be nice for them to be the aggressor for once and take five of the eight and show that, like, yeah, Rays and Jays are good. We're just as good, and right now we're hitting our stride. Um, I don't think you're going to get a better scenario than five out of the eight, but I do think – um, take one of the first two in Toronto, put the pressure on Chris Bassett at Berrios, the back end. I think you have a better chance of winning three out of four in Toronto than yeah. you do of winning this race series. Yeah, I am looking at this and it's tough because you have Herman versus Rasmussen. And I think that's a slight mismatch for the Yankees. You know, Herman, you know, Herman can dial it up here and there. So maybe they get lucky and that's the case. Rasmussen, Handled the Yankees last time, but he doesn't scare me. You have a clear mismatch with Schmidt and Eflin in the finale, but sandwiched in between that, you got Cole and Fleming. Please win that fucking game. And then you have Cortez and McClanahan. Tough. McClanahan's fucking nasty. But if Cortez can dig out of whatever he's been struggling with over the last week and a half or so, that could end up being a pitcher's duel that'll come down to the bullpens. And if the Yankees offense can just run into a couple. I don't know. It could turn out in our favor. Am I confident that that's the case? No, I'm feeling a split. I'll take a split. Split's fine. Yeah. Everyone look, got into an argument with somebody on Twitter because they're saying, oh, you think the Yankees can make up 10 games this early? It's not about the Yankees making up 10 games. It's about the Rays not winning at a fucking 80% clip. No team does that. No team sustains that. You saw it last year when the Yankees got off to their insane start where everyone thought they were going to break the wins record. They were going to run away with the division in June. They had a 15-and-a-half game lead, and it majorly, majorly decreased. And obviously that was for two reasons. One, they had a terrible August. And then two, other teams in the division started winning. The Rays started winning. They 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 strung together a bunch of games instead of – treading water like they were at, de- at at various points in the season. So this is n- – the Yankees are not – the Yankees can't be sitting here thinking, well, it's wild card now. You know, we're 10 games back. It's May 11th. The Rays are not going to be – the Rays re- the, the Rays record is not going to be 58-18 and 18 in, um, in six weeks from now. Obviously, the Yankees need to do their job and not get pasted by teams like the Rangers and – um, win close games, win win six zero leads against the Rays on the road, or don't blow uh, the don't blow the comeback that you had to make it four four in the seventh with a miscue in left field. Yes, there's things to clean up, but to tell me the Yankees aren't talented enough to make up a ten game deficit on May tenth, today's May eleventh now. I, yeah. You're just you're you're once again you, it, it's the fans that I hate, the people who just want to live in the world of 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 pessimism. And they they want to just continue being at the bottom for I, reasons I don't know. They just they, one bad thing happens, and they're like, "Great, here are three other bad things that I actually pointed out over the span." <laughs> um, let's let's compare Carlos Rodon to Carl Pavano because why not? Because that we have silence from three to four p.m. on Thursday. Let's do it. So yeah, I'm bored. I'm bored. Let's talk about Hideki Arabu. <laughs> <laughs> if you look at the the manner in which this is going to unfold if if the Yankees can tread water over these eight over these eight games you think they survive with three and five I think optimism here I think they come out five three I think yeah. they take three of four from the Blue Jays and they split this race series the Rays just you're never I feel like you're just never going to take three or four from the race have we ever done that no. in like the Why last five you? years it Why wouldn't would have it, it just doesn't happen they have too many resources they have too many guys who like don't know how mediocre they are and they play out you know way above their potential um and great job to managing for Kevin Cash he he he's one of the best in the game um but the Yankees largely can handle Toronto I don't I'm not scared of Toronto I'm not scared of our guy Dalton Varsho um I'm definitely not scared of Alec Manoa Chris Bassett has been bad for them um Jose Barrios great contract extension you jump the gun there guys 
So I'm looking at you handle business at home against the Rays. You win the two games that you absolutely should. Maybe you get lucky for a third, and then you lock it down for Toronto. And I think you can get the job done with uh, Cole and Nestor uh, uh, finishing off that series. So you take one of the first two, and then you're in a really good position for the final two. Alec Manoa said pressure is what you put in your tires last postseason. Since saying that, he is 1-4 with a 5.02 ERA, 1.56 whip in 46 and two-thirds innings pitched. And his only start of any distinguishment was against the AAA Yankees lineup like three weeks ago. So it would be so great to stomp that man in the first game of that J-Series. I do think that it might be might be slightly more likely that the Yankees take the Jays series and take the Rays series, but we shall see. And it all begins on the field at Yankee stadium tonight. And we don't have to see the Rays for another several months after that. And we don't have to go to the Tropicana field carpet until way later in the year. And don't it feel good. Also lolling, laughing my buns off at Caleb Durbin, the infielder we obtained for Lucas Litke, who has an eight ERA so far for the Atlanta Braves. Durbin just got promoted to double-A Somerset. He's 29 for 83 on the year, hitting 349, 471 OBP, 18 stolen bases. Forgive me for not knowing that was a guy, but laughing very hard that he's now in the Yankees minor league. He has 18 stolen bases? Yes, he has 18 stolen bases. It's May 11th. What it, Did he steal three yesterday? <laughs> I don't know. Baseball reference says he has 15. Well... He's got 18. Pretty cool. We also got a pitcher in that deal, right? Indigo Diaz, who I thought was the guy from that trade. And in fact, it's not, it could be both. We could have gotten two effective roster participants in exchange for Lucas Lickey, the low leverage master, whose role has now been occupied by Davey Garcia. So it is what it is. Uh, the line I'm talking about. Drunk, drunk, drunk didn't watch the last series. Drunk was too busy watching Paul DeJong go yard at Wrigley Field. He thinks the Yankees are still on a losing streak. Uh, they have won three games in a row against the AAA Sacramento Rivercats. So in Drunk's face, unfortunately. Uh, but thanks for watching, as always. The lineup is out today. Again, what do we say? Volpe, Judge, Rizzo, LeMahieu, Torres, Bowers, Bader, Trevino, Calhoun. That's not really that bad. No, that's fine. I was wondering why Calhoun was not – I mean, I'm not – advocating for Calhoun to be in the lineup often, but he finally started to heat up and then he was not playing. Yeah. They all. buried him against Sears and Muller, the lefties. I don't, I don't know. We, we treated Drew. Lefties. He can handle that. I, I think he probably should have started against Drew Rusinski. I mean, if the Yankees had lost to Drew Rusinski, I would have been in a dark place. <laughs> if the Yankees had, again, if Wani Peralta had surrendered a grand slam to tie the game after the umpire got hit with the third out, you would have unlocked a new evolution of me. I would have grown an orange tail with spikes on it and uh, been ready for battle in, in the Pokeverse. Like, I would have literally not been me anymore if that had happened. Um, I, I feel like that happened last year against Oakland, too. Did I got to look it up before we sign off. Do you want to handle sign off while I start looking this up? Of course. Because there, there was a Yankee game last year against Oakland as well, where Clay Holmes almost blew the save. And I can't remember why it was the final out either hit an umpire or something else, some ridiculous ricochet or the lights went off too early or something. And he got out of it. So I didn't have to go uh, absolutely lose my mind, but I got to look that up. So please look it up folks. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening um, to the Yanks Yard podcast. We're having a great time doing this. We get more and more people in these live chats. Every episode we're thankful. Head on over to yanksgoyard.com. We got plenty of content there for you. Our bylines are there. Um, I made fun of Nick Pavetta. People are loving that. Um, Adam did a piece on, uh, Cardinals players we could trade for as they continue to spiral. Life could always be worse drunk. You could be a Cardinals fan because that <laughs> is as bad as it gets right now. Um, Talk to us on the official Yanks Go Yard Twitter account at Yanks Go Yard FS. Personally, I am at Tommy's underscore takes. Adam is at Adam Weinrib, and we're having a great time. Four-game series upcoming against the Rays. We'll talk to you on Monday at 2 p.m. Eastern Live right here. We got four against the Jays, and that'll start. So hopefully we have uh, you know a balanced discourse on Monday because I don't want to be mad. I like the positive episodes. We had a good time today, right? We did, and I remember exactly what it was, and I'm happy to tell everybody yes. now. J.P. Sears won this game against Frankie Montas last year. The Yankees won it 2-1, but with two outs in the ninth, 
and Clay Holmes on the mound. Was it in Yankee Stadium? In Yankee Stadium. Sean Murphy hit a grounder to second. Third out recorded. New York, New York started to play. Oh, wait. It was a catcher's interference. And after that, Stephen Vogt knocked in, knocked a single, and Elvis Andrews single. It was a 2-0 game with two outs in the ninth inning, and the final out was recorded and then taken off the board, and New York, New York was stopped mid-song to call a catcher's interference and defensive indifference single, single, and it was suddenly 2-1 with two on, and Clay Holmes got the final out. But if that had resulted in a blown save, uh, my top of my head would have popped off like a warhead, and I would have set fire to the top of the uh, ceiling. And if they had given up a game time grand slam, Wadi Peralta after that weird play, same deal. Just my head would have popped off my body and rolled around, and a watermelon would have replaced it. Um, but we'll see what happens in this series. Hopefully, none of that. Let's go, Yankees. We'll see everybody again Monday at 2 o'clock Eastern. As per usual, hit the subscribe button. Come join us again and find the audio feed wherever podcasts are found. Yes, even Google Podcasts. Till then, bye, everybody. Bye.